to total career success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers to achieve their potential and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Welcome. Ken and Cheryl here with Colonel Timothy Garrity, author of Peacekeepers at War. This July 4th celebration show, we're honored to have retired Colonel Tim Garrity, U.S. Marine Corps, with us. Uh, Colonel Garrity will share the powerful and telling account of the Beirut, uh, excuse me, Beirut um, Marine Barracks uh, tragedy in 1983 and its lasting impact. The uh, ongoing war on terror is rooted in that uh, tragic event when 241 men of honor on a peacekeeping uh, mission in Lebanon were blown up by terrorists. Today, our courageous military men and women continue to fight in the Middle East and around the world to protect our freedom in America and around the world. We're grateful for their sacrifice. Well, let me take a a brief moment to introduce uh, Colonel Garrity. He was born and raised in St. Louis, uh, a career Marine officer who commanded a reconnaissance uh, company in Vietnam. Uh, While Lieutenant Colonel, he served in a special assignment with the uh, CIA's Special Operations Group. As a colonel, he commanded the 24th Marine Amphibious Unit in Beirut, Lebanon, in 1983 as part of the multinational peacekeeping force. Upon retirement from the Corps, he returned to the CIA to serve in the counter-terrorist center and later worked in private industry. Tim, thank you so much for being with us today. We're honored to have you on the show. Thank you very much. It's my honor. First of all, uh, would you prefer to be called uh, Colonel Garrick or Tim? Uh, Please call me Tim. Okay, very good. Karen, uh, Tim, it is such an honor to have you here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, I've been trying to get a Marine Corps officer <laughs> on for so many years, and finally, finally, Cheryl has brought to us uh, Tim, and I can't tell you, Tim, what an honor it is to have you with us. I'm not sure how I ran across uh, the title of your book um uh, Tim, but mm-hmm. I'm sure glad I did. And then you uh, reminded me in an email last night that you had written an article in the Wall Street Journal. And when you mentioned that, I did recall uh, having seen that. So uh, we're very glad that you're bringing some of these issues to the fore at a very timely part, uh, a time in, in our country and in the world. And, Tim, I have to tell you that we've had uh, Navy officers, Air Force officers, Army officers. We haven't had any Coast Guard, but... Uh, we did have a Coast Guard. Coast I'll Guard. See, see that? See. I but think we, we might have covered everyone now. Cheryl, we do not have the Marines go last. There's not anything we <laughs> Well, it's because done. they're such gentlemen. They always come, I, you know, let everybody okay. go first. Isn't that right, Tim? Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'll take that and run with it. Well, tell us why it has taken you 25-plus years to write this incredible account. Yes, that's a question I get quite quite often. It, it, uh, it, it really uh, borns out of the event itself, and you go back at the time, is that there was, it was so controversial, uh, and it uh, became quickly partisan in the polit- political realm. Uh, the... Uh, Commander is responsible for the conduct of uh, his uh, his unit, his forces under him, and that was never a question of responsibility. Commanding officer is responsible. 
However, to tell the story, you have to let time pass because if I had spoken too soon or tried to defend, there are a lot of uh, uh, accusations thrown out there and uh, things a lot of people didn't know what they were talking about. You had to let time pass because it would have been, uh, I'm sure, interpreted as uh, my being trying to shun the responsibility or the uh, taking responsibility for the uh, conduct of my forces. The other thing is that to to tell the truth and the full story, uh, you have to let time pass. For one, a lot of the participants, and you notice, notice in the notes in my book, is uh, to let the participants write their memoirs to get their views of mm-hmm. their decisions, key decisions at the national policy level that uh, gives them the, what, what was their rationale for making those decisions, and as participants in that event, that uh, you just have to let time pass for people to leave government and uh, use those memoirs. And, and as you see in my uh, references, I had done that. The other thing is I uh, had uh, a lot of my own uh, traffic, my own notes uh, from uh, the uh, extensive traffic uh, by, back and forth between National Military Command, Santa Marine Corps, and within my command that uh, over periods of time are declassified. And you have that, again, is a, is a factor of time. And then to have uh, the actual some of the actual papers that uh, I have published in my book uh, that uh, was made at the presidential level and at the national security level at the Reagan Library that gave me uh, support uh, for uh, when I was uh, putting together and doing the research for my book, uh, they were very gracious and, in fact, uh, invited me, and I'm part of the uh, the oral library there at the Reagan Library because of uh, the uh, circumstances during the president's uh, point. But that is why it's taken so much, but it always was a driving I've been uh, – really asking uh, for many years by many people, particularly the families of those lost and my fellow Marines that served with me there and sailors and soldiers, that I had to write an account. And I knew I had to one day. So uh, about five years ago, uh, collecting all, I just, uh, uh, the last couple years really went into, uh, I call it, my wife calls it, I became a monk in the monastery and just cut off everything Mm -hmm to write and complete it, which I did, and it was published uh, late last year. Yes, well, we're certainly glad that uh, that you made that incredible effort to to piece the story together, and I noticed all the different references that you allude to. And the other thing that I think is very powerful about it is that with the passage of time, uh, we're able to, or you have been able to, not only as commander, but also in a unique role as part of the counterterrorist center, uh, since since you left that uh, role, uh, you're able to reflect on how that um, account or uh, tragic situation um, kind of laid the seeds or were the roots for much of what happens today in in terms of the terrorist uh, threat to our country. And in fact, this is really more than a history book, more than a personal account. Tell us why it is so relevant uh, to every listener today. Well, you bring out a good point because uh, what uh, before uh, I became, uh, uh, I was assigned on a special assignment to the Central Intelligence Agency when I was a lieutenant colonel in Washington in the late 70s. And so uh, I I had uh, 
actually with the Special Operations Group and, uh, and others over there is uh, I traveled a great deal, including to the Middle East, uh, during those years before I picked up Colonel. Uh, I found out I picked up Colonel in the Far East and then went back to the Marine Corps after a little over three years. But the point of it is is that I, I had a unique uh, perspective and actually being there and, uh, and seeing what it is. But in, in answer to your question, as a personal account and what it is, is that we can look in retrospect today and see that this was the, uh, the beginning of the current asymmetrical war that we find ourselves in today. There's you know, um, as I was going through the um, uh, book, I immediately reflected on 9-11, and you had to have done the same thing when it happened and said, here we go again, or something to that effect. Uh, yeah, uh, your reaction to that after watching the horror that you experienced uh, yourself, please. Yes, uh, uh, again, uh, direct connection between what happened in Beirut in 1983 and 9-11. Uh, incidentally, uh, as a side note, I spent a week at Ground Zero after 9-11 with special equipment uh, looking for survivors on a, the job I was uh, doing in, uh, with a high-tech firm out of Santa Barbara at the time. And the horror, horror of that, and uh, you know, and we're both saying, uh, please, God, don't let it happen again. Yeah. Well, that's right, and and here we are uh, in uh, you know seven seven years later, Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, and the uh, what you find, and uh, this is what I did in 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 my book. I try to is connect the dots, and you find a lot of the same players are involved, not only today but are still reaping the carnage, are the same players that were in charge of the uh, of the bombing of the peacekeepers in Beirut, 1983. And you look at Afghanistan right now. I mean, I watch it every day just as you do. And and, and Afghanistan is heating up again. And, and every time I hear that, I say, oh, God, more and more of our heroes are going to be killed. And uh, it's just so tragic. Yeah, well, you know, you bring up a good point because what what's forgotten about it is that we're on a peacekeeping mission. And, you know, here, when you're in Afghanistan and uh, Iraq, you know, with all that, here we have, uh, you know, a hundred times more troops uh, on a war and expecting attacks. You know, I mean, it's a whole different environment. And you have green zones or security zones and so on that you don't have on peacekeeping missions. Well, for our younger listeners and to refresh the memories of those who do recall that tragedy, uh, Tim, why were you and the Marines in Lebanon in 1983? The decision was made uh, after the Israelis uh, invaded uh, Lebanon on June 6th, the uh, Sea of Galilee, uh, a piece of Galilee uh, offensive. When they, uh, uh, they attacked uh, Lebanon, primarily against the Palestinian Liberation Army under Arafat that were uh, launching indiscriminate attacks on northern Israeli cities, and they've been doing this over a period of years, and the uh, PLO had, uh, through Arafat, had set up a state within a state, Lebanon. And so the Israelis had enough, and on June 6th, they invaded. After they drove the the PLO and the Syrian army, major losses to the Syrian army uh, after a series of brilliant tactical moves and uh, pushed the PLO back to West Beirut, where the Israelis surrounded them and the leadership in West Beirut. 
after negotiations with Habib. President uh, Reagan had a special envoy, Philip Habib, there to negotiate primarily the uh, evacuation, as a kind word, but primarily the deportation of the Palestinian Liberation Army fighters from Lebanon. And after a few months, they uh, finally, uh, and after a ser- some serious pounding by the IDF on the uh, PLO, the uh, president, they made the negotiated the uh, evacuation of that, and the Marines became part of a multinational force in September 1982 to go in and oversee with uh, our French and Italian allies that were there also to oversee the uh, deportation of the PLO fighters and some Syrian army for- forces uh, from, uh, from Lebanon. They went in in uh, late September, and in, in a period of a little over a couple weeks, oversaw that, which uh, was sort of uh, sporty at times uh, with confrontations and so on, but it essentially it occurred without a major ca- without a major incident, without casualties, and was by any standard of measure very successful. Marines uh, afterward uh, got orders to get back aboard ship, good job done, and get back to floating around the Med and do what they do. Uh, what happened after that is uh, they were just a couple of days at sea when a uh, massive bomb killed the president-elect of Lebanon, a Christian, young, charismatic Christian leader called Brigir Jamal. And that started, triggered, the resumption of the civil war. The Israelis seized West Beirut after that and surrounded, um, but did not enter, the two major Palestinian refugee camps, the Shabra and Shatilya in West Beirut, where all the non-combatants were left behind. And it was just a couple of days later, there was a major massacre there that a um, Christian militia, was allowed entry in there, bent on revenge, and uh, that started a, uh, uh, a massacre that was pretty nasty and led to international outcry to put more peacekeeping forces in there to protect the non-combatants that were left behind because okay. it was coming apart. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break here, Tim, and we'll resume that story when we return so stay tuned for more lessons on the both Beirut tragedy in 1983 talk 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 that's all we do is talk If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. And get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. 
Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to betterjobbetterlife.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please send an email to TCS on air at TCSWorldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl uh, here with Colonel Timothy Darity, author of Peacekeepers at War. And uh, just as we were leaving the last segment, Tim, you were sharing the backdrop for what occurred in 1983. Would you like to um, kind of uh, complete that story? Yes, it, it, it's a, because uh, it's a case study of how the, uh, the peacekeeping forces went in there with a particular mission for the PLO evacuation from uh, Lebanon and went very well, and then left, and uh, how uh, unintended consequences, the, the uh, assassination of the uh, young president of uh, Beirut and then the massacre of uh, non-combatants in Shabra and Shatiya, uh, that brought in, brought back for the second time the peacekeepers, and it was then the Marines returned uh, uh, again, just a matter of two weeks before, after they left the second time, which was called a presence mission, and primarily with our Italian and French allies, uh, and later with the British joined us, to provide an, uh, a stable environment. For, so that diplomats and politicians can work out uh, hopefully, hopefully some resolution to the Civil War. No, it was really interesting to me, uh, Tim, in reflecting uh, on some of the names that were involved in that. It was Sharon who was leading the Israeli Defense oh, yeah. Force, and yet he, as Prime Minister, uh, right. was the one who turned Gaza over. Uh, and Hamas now, of course, uh, continues to to send bombs into Israel from 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 Gaza. Being fed by Iran, Syria. Absolutely, absolutely. Some, some, some things uh, we never learn, I well, guess. Well, Tim, mm-hmm. we're going to kind of uh, bounce around in terms of subjects, but uh, mm-hmm. this show is being uh, broadcast on July 4th, and, of course, you feel certainly as, as strong as I do that you know, our, our, our freedom is never free. Uh, so many wonderful heroes have died for our freedom, and this is a message that we are continually sharing with people, uh, you know, around our city, around our state, around our country, and around the world. Uh, if you would, share with our listeners, many of whom are veterans, uh, your perspective on our wonderful country, how brave our men and women are, and just some thoughts uh, that you'd like to uh, share with them. Well, the, uh, the the highlight of my life was having the uh, the pleasure to uh, 
to serve with uh, the uh, the people that were part of uh, the uh, peacekeepers in uh, in Beirut. They uh, they were really the best America has produced, and I have to say, uh, the last few years I've been a uh, member of the Board of Directors of the Marine Memorial Club in San Francisco, and we see a lot of the, uh, we visited the different bases and so on on the, on the West Coast and see a lot of the young uh, Marines and uh, sailors and the servicemen today that are uh, carrying out uh, the defense of freedom at the, in, uh, in harm's way all over. And uh, they are just uh, as the best America can produce and. And I, it, it doesn't need much to be said except to just look at their performance and what they have done in a very, uh, in a very tough environment. And what we continually do is, uh, we mentioned a little bit before the show, is, is, is reflect back on history and uh, you know, not only the honor and uh, courage and integrity of our fighting forces, but uh, President Kennedy and uh, that. As I mentioned to you, I was on the U.S.'s sponsor during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and, of course, right with the ready, packing her back, and we're 30 miles from land, and, you know, we all did all we could at the time. We were all ready to lay down our life for our country, and uh, some make it out, and some uh, pay the ultimate price. And, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening, and for those of you young People who are saying, "Wow, what a wonderful service to go into!" Um, uh, Tim, I'm always recruiting for the Marine Corps just because <laughs> it's such a wonderful service. And if you would share your reflections on uh, this for our young listeners who may be considering going in the Corps. Well, it it, it is a uh, uh, a special it's a special calling I see is uh, that, that uh, the young men and, and women that are serving. Uh, how they uh, they choose again it's all volunteer there's no drafts anymore and how they choose and uh, go in harm's way and perform magnificently and that uh, it is uh, it is really the strength of America and as I often say as long as we as a nation draw and produce young men and women that we're seeing operating every day in this current war it's going to be a long one and uh, the threats that we face, uh, I feel very confident in our country of the future. Absolutely. Well, that's very encouraging to hear. And, you know, we get the privilege, uh, Tim, to work with many of these young people that are coming out of the military uh, through our uh, Job Search a Total System and Total Career Success online resources. And uh, it really gives us... Uh, you know, uh, a great feeling to see the strength uh, of these uh, young people, the courage that they have, and how they transfer that then into the civilian workforce. And, um, you know, they learn to be leaders. It may be right on the battlefield, but they have the confidence and the experience to be able to lead in civilian life as well. Well, you're bringing you bring up a good point, if I may just inject there. Ken, you saw this firsthand in the Marine Corps. Uh, I find a lot of these young people, you know, particularly looking for jobs, and particularly a lot of ones that are rehabbing some uh, uh, after some uh, pretty uh, fierce injuries and all this, is that the people uh, and trying to uh, a lot of things that you're doing uh, to find vet jo- jobs uh, for the veterans and so on is that find out uh, 
very and, and to emphasize to them is that they, uh, they a lot of them underestimate their skills and oh, their abilities because no uh, no profession no profession will give you the responsibility that as a young whether it's a 19 20 year old corporal or sergeant or a second lieutenant and so on to give you that many people who are responsible in life and death situations and to transfer that to discipline character integrity and responsibility to the civilian sector uh is uh is just part of their uh, their makeup it's part of their dna and uh, it's uh it uh, provides also a network of helping one another and this is not just the men but the families absolutely is, uh, particularly for those fallen is Tim, you you um would be uh, i'm sure uh, most appreciative of this fact. The job search control system was written in 1988, and Cheryl and I have written two editions since then, and uh, we use it in all of our uh, seminars, both on the corporate side and on the retail side. But much of the book was based upon my experience as a uh, young Marine of Paris Island, going to boot camp and experiencing in a 12-week period of time, which... For most people, it's just an unbelievable uh, exercise. But, you know, it, as you know so well, going through Paris Island in 12 weeks, I mean, uh, parents, my my favorite story is parents, I remember on the parade ground at the end of, uh, you know, after graduation, we're going around and parents looking for their kids yeah. are looking right at their <laughs> son and don't even recognize them. Yeah. You know, the kid comes up and says, Mom, Dad, and he says, you know, who are you? I mean, yeah. it's just, you just can't believe that in that period of time, you know, you could take a, uh, you know, a kid from Brooklyn or Los Angeles or any part of the country, whether rich or poor, black or white, just right. unbelievable how the Marine Corps can transform that person from a overweight person who really didn't care to a young, tight great person who's now ready to defend our country. And you know probably the uh, the greatest uh, benefit uh, and to hear are the people, the participants themselves. Absolutely. And that's why as I was mentioning earlier, these are lifelong friendships that you make there and particularly in battle that uh, you have closer relationships many times your own brothers and sisters and it's it's always there and comforting and so on and uh, it's 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 a special bond. Okay. And one of the things I love to do, Tim, is uh, travel the country and volunteer to help Marines. Uh, uh, Cheryl holds down the fort in Houston, and I travel, and and I'm always going into restaurants and, and I'm looking for uh, Marines or other service people who oftentimes are sitting by themselves and, and sometimes have PTSD or what we used to call post-Vietnam syndrome. Sure. And it's just a great, great exercise to sit with them. And I always wear my Marine Corps cap and, uh, you know, when you get this special bond, all you have to do is say Semper Fi. And I mean, you've never met this guy. You don't know where he's from and you could talk for weeks, months, and years about your experiences. Sure. No, no question about it. And you know, I've been giving uh, some speeches around the country and uh, and uh, at signings at Camp Lejeune and uh, other places at the uh, Marine Memorial Club at San Francisco and so on. But I, uh, what, what was interesting is uh, I uh, gave a uh, 
a speech at uh, the Hoover Institution at Stanford University here a couple months back, and uh, uh, I addressed the uh, National Security Fellows at the institution, and uh, followed by a large uh, roundtable discussion with the fellows, and it was hosted by uh, former Secretary of State George Schultz, who used to visit us in Beirut. He was Secretary of State at the time, and of course is now uh, emeritus there at the institution. And uh, a very uh, lively uh, uh, discussion on exactly what you're talking about on uh, the connection. Of course, uh, Secretary Schultz is a former Marine. Absolutely, and uh, and how uh, and and I, and I have to tell you, uh, he's I think eighty six now and uh, sharp as a tack. That's right. I mean, just uh, very lucid. But but the point is, is the connection there is always uh, always there, and, and and it's heartening to see that. And it, you know what? And it's one of the few two words that anyone can say where you have instant recognition mm-hmm. and instant camaraderie. The word semper fidelis or semper fi, I mean, just are two words that anywhere in the world two people can say and you have uh, just an instant bond that never goes away. Absolutely. And, you know, Ken, to spread that uh, tent a little wider is that, you know, when the Marines go to war, uh, the families go with them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that is probably the most uh, inspirational of this whole uh whole event on me personally is, uh, you know, in an instant, I lost 241 of my men on a, on a, on a bomb that was uh, declared to be the largest, still is, the largest non-nuclear explosion in history. And uh, to try and explain that to families, 241, and the wives, and uh, to to see how the, uh, the families, uh, however they... Afterward, uh, picked up uh, you know pieces of their shattered lives and how they helped one another and raised those families is is the highest tribute that they could uh, ever pay to those uh, that have fallen. It's really it, it's a, it's an inspiration continually. We see them every year at the and in contact with the families and so on, and it's uh, just it's inspirational. Well, it's uh, heartwarming, and at the end of the book where you share some of those stories, uh, uh, Tim, it's very powerful. Well, we're going to take a little break here, but when we return, we're going to learn some of the lessons um, from this uh, tragic event so many years ago and to really share the price of freedom. So stay tuned. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to BetterJobBetterLife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. 
Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please send an email to TCSOnAir at TCSWorldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Colonel Timothy Garrity, author of Peacekeepers at War. And, uh, Tim, you you shared, uh, you know, just the incredible sacrifice of those uh, 241 men. And, And it would be a shame if we didn't take the lessons that you share in the book and uh, put them to good use uh, as a result. Would you just share some of the lessons from that tragic event that we should put into practice today? Sure. Is uh, probably the prime one that uh, that I put in there is that uh, we should think long and hard before ever putting uh, peacekeeping forces in the Middle East again. And I, I, I base that on the fact that... Uh, uh, our relationship with uh, Israel, which is a cornerstone, has been a cornerstone of our uh, foreign policy since their founding. Uh, and uh, it to put U.S. forces in the Middle East and have you have to maintain as peacekeeping forces neutrality. You have to maintain impartiality, and we did that to the nth degree, in Lebanon. The problem with that is the uh, reality of our relationship. It becomes suspect with the opposition, and particularly in this case it was Iran and Syria, is they control that. They ratchet up the confrontations where pretty soon you can be, as we were, we, we were being sucked into confrontation simply because of their behavior in shooting at uh, and shelling our diplomats, our ambassadors, as well as the uh, peacekeeping forces, that you're, you're forced for self-defense and protection to, rat, to answer that. So the point is, is that the confrontation and the violence is ratcheted up. And when you don't have, and these are experts, uh, when I say Iran and Syria are experts as, as far as disrupting security and stability. And if you don't have those, you can't really have any 
peacekeeping, uh, really, any kind of peaceful negotiations. And, Tim, of course, the issue is uh, we as Marines, we as honorable Americans, uh, operate according to honor, integrity, and, uh, you know, rules of war and doing all the right things, and, and they don't. I mean, they play their own games, and they have uh, few or little uh, rules that they go by, and it's just, uh, it's, you know, oftentimes we're bringing a knife to a gunfight, especially when you're peacekeepers and trying to honor uh, rules and regulations that they don't even recognize. That's right. And that's, and that's the, uh, and, and then the, uh, the arguments, you know, you get in the political realm, and then the arguments are is, uh, by virtue of the fact you're, you're defending and the obligation you have to defend, and particularly the diplomats and the negotiators, to provide defense for them, then all of a sudden, you know, is that you're put in a position where you have to provide that, and peacekeeping, peacekeeping in a hurry gets uh, pushed out of the way. And it's really um, a, a war in which they, they do not want peace. The terrorists do not want peace. They value very different things than we do. And we mentioned at the you know top of the show that what happened in Beirut in 1983 were the seeds or the root of the 9-11 attack, and that was mentioned uh, in, in several places in the book as well. Why is it essential that the U.S. government and policymakers face that reality, and, and how should the lessons you share in Peacekeepers at War affect the way we fight the enemy in the Middle East and even in our own hemisphere? Yes, if, if, you, if you look back the last, you know, since Beirut, uh, coming up here on... Uh, 20, uh, 27 years uh, this uh, this fall. If you look, is that uh, one of the, uh, the another lesson learned is there was absolutely no retribution for Iran and Syria against Iran and Syria for committing these acts of war. Six months earlier, they had blown up our embassy, in, and we knew that. We knew who the players were. And then when they attacked us, we knew who they were. We we suspected who would be. The, uh, through our intelligence, who would be the, the usual suspects if we have. And, uh, but the, the key game changers and lesson learned in Be- from Beirut is that the game changer on that is when the Iranian Revolutionary Guard moved in there in late 82, 83. And they took over, essentially, a part of that and used uh, Shiite proxies with Syrian support, and that continues today. They set up an operational base in 83 in Baqa Valley that's still an active hub today that's undermining any Mideast uh, negotiations with the Palestinians. They just ratcheted up, as they have with Hamas. That's, again, Iran and Syria and these, these uh, ships that are providing the arms. So the Israelis are put in an impossible situation and for them to respond to their own defense, and then you have U.N. sanctions and all this other against them. It's absolutely madness. And look at, I mean, and uh, have, you had, have you been to uh, Israel, Tim? I have. I haven't spent much time there, but I have, uh, I have been there, yes. Uh, we, as I mentioned earlier, we spent a week, and it's just absolutely amazing to see how wonderful and courageous and pro-American Israelis are and 
And for every American, I, if you ever, ever get a chance, please visit Israel and, and learn the culture and learn well, the people. I, I plan. In fact, uh, interesting you mentioned that I've received uh, from uh, Israeli, uh, since my articles and uh, my book came out, uh, from Israeli think tanks over there and professors and PhDs and so on, is uh, on uh, some very nice uh, comments on my, my book. Uh, and uh, my conclusions uh, on what I uh, have in defense of Israel, because, you know, we, we went to school, I say we, you know, in the military uh, with a lot of the uh, Israeli uh, officers and so on, and uh, had a great deal of uh, respect for them as a warrior. It was a warrior culture among us, you know, and respect for one another and so on. And I mentioned in the book, you know, I mean, quite openly, we had some confrontations with the Israelis when we were there, but it was primarily at lower level. And they they were going through, uh, you know, taking a lot of casualties uh, later there. And then this, uh, what brought us back in, and then Sharon was forced to resign. And then later, Begin uh, was uh, resigning uh, when they were uh, taking casualties and so on and uh, uh, figuring on the withdrawal. So I can under, I understand their frustration and all, all this and that, uh, but the uh, the point that seems to get lost in here is that they have a, a an inherent right for for defending their own homeland. And what uh, what little support they get around the world is just oh, absolutely amazing and, and disgusting. It's that sinful. Uh, it's sinful. No question about it. It truly really is, and and of course, uh, the, I believe it was the Challenger disaster when uh, one of the greatest pilots in Israeli history, who was an astronaut, mm-hmm. and uh, and was uh, killed in the Challenger disaster, and uh, you know a lot of people just don't know the history and don't understand and appreciate how how similar we are in terms of our value system and our values and how critical Israel is to the future of the world. Absolutely, and and again, it goes back uh, to to your point is that we're not teaching history anymore, and that's the weak link of particularly with the younger generation, is that uh, they're uh, susceptible to a lot of uh, just propaganda. Well, I think that's why your book is so timely, um, because even as I was reading it, and and I, Ken and I study, um, um, you know, this area quite mm-hmm. intensely, and. It was a good reminder for me to say, hey, in 1983, Hezbollah was just starting out. And now here we are, 25-plus years later, and they're stronger than ever, uh, you know, and have practically taken over Lebanon. And the two state supporters, uh, primarily Iran and Syria, are even stronger and more belligerent even than at that time. And not only that, uh, and again, Iran found it. Hezbollah, and they they support it. I mean, uh, politically, diplomatically, every which way, uh, military equipment and so on. And they have essentially set up uh, Iran through Hezbollah, a state within a state Mm -hmm. in Lebanon, not only destabilize Lebanon, but to the confrontation with Israel, which raises Hezbollah, or primarily Iranian uh, uh, prestige throughout the Arab world. See, they, they have injected themselves in that, and not only are they doing it there, but as I mentioned in my Wall Street Journal article, is that they, Hezbollah, now is, uh, and, and the reason the Iranians use them, by the way, and propaganda and their training and all this and that, is they're Arabic speakers, you know, 
Farsi isn't well received in a lot of those worlds. So that's why they're using Hezbollah for that, but that they have now and have had the last few years a working agreement with the drug cartels in Mexico that are using the same routes to funnel contraband as well as personnel into our country and have been. Absolutely. I live in Arizona, and I I see this and all this. So... uh, the the point is is they're they're setting up to get to hit us here. There's no question about it in my judgment. Well, that's a very scary prospect, and we're going to um, you know get back to uh, the the attack uh, one more time, Tim, because I'd like to have you share how the trial in 2003 uh, and what that verdict uh, said about the whole attack. All right. We just have a minute. Yeah, the Iran, uh, Iran, uh, the trial in uh, 2003 in the uh, District Court of uh, uh, District of Columbia Court there on on the Hill is that uh, it it came out with the verdict that uh, provided a lot of intelligence that I was aware of and a, and a lot of people in the uh, intelligence community, but it was the first time that it became public as far as matter of sworn testimony, and you had a lot of uh, Different people that uh, came and uh, really verified the facts and uh, and got into details as far as the magnitude of the uh, the bomb and uh, Iranian involvement and intercepts. We had a Iranian intercept the same day as the ceasefire on September 26, 1983, from the Ministry of Information and Security uh, at uh, in uh, Tehran, which is their intel service to their uh, ambassador in uh, in Damascus, the Iranian ambassador in Damascus, telling them to, uh, in so many words, uh, take spectacular action against the American Marines at Beirut International Airport, where my headquarters was. And that got stuck in the intel pipeline, and we found out about it uh, two days after the bombing. Wow, amazing. The point is is that the Iranian and Syrian involvement in that was well known at the time, and that hasn't changed. And that, and that trial in 2003 was what? What, what was that trial? It, 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 it was uh, brought by the families, and it brought a judgment that uh, was, uh, I think, in 2007 of $2.6 billion against uh, confirmation of the Republic of Iran. Uh, as uh, being the perpetrators of that uh, act. Wow, that's powerful. Well, we're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up this uh, great show on Peacekeepers at War. Stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. 
get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Timothy Garrity and uh, just a tremendous show today. Uh, We want to thank Tim for being with us. You know, after that massive dual attack on uh, the Marines and the, the French Forces and investigative reports stated that the Marines had not been prepared for the terror attack, and you resigned essentially, you know, as a fall guy. What um, did that report overlook about the attack? Well, it, I, I was very reluctant. I, I argued for over a week not to provide direct support to the Lebanese Armed Forces, and and, and that was the problem. Is, is that because we were being sucked into the civil war? And that the reason for my reluctance is the vulnerability of our location. We were in a static location in the middle of an international airport uh, for over a year and without any control over the traffic coming to and from the airport. And when you don't have security in that sense uh, and you don't have control, you don't have security. And so it was our location and all the all the, uh, the headquarters of the peacekeeping forces were in similar locations because of uh, uh, the, uh, the nature of the mission. The point is, is that what we know now is that after the forensics and the studies by the FBI, CIA, and uh, the Pentagon, and uh, Sandia National Lab, et cetera, the best science available, is that the, the magnitude of the bomb, which was put as in excess of 22,000 pounds of TNT equivalent, the largest non-nuclear explosion ever recorded, precluded any defenses because we know now that the bomb didn't even have to penetrate our perimeter at the airport in order to cause the mass, the obvious results, massive casualties and a major change in national policy for the uh, United States. And Tim, you wanted to talk a little bit about leadership? I think it's important two things, uh, two leaders. Uh, one, the commander of the uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Force at the time was a guy by the name of Nadjer. Uh, he became in 2004 the uh, Minister of Defense. He has a, uh, a record uh, for a lot of caught blood on, uh, on his hands, and particularly Beirut uh, uh, peacekeepers. The fellow that relieved him uh, a year ago, uh, August, 
after the re-election of Ahmadinejad in Iran was a guy by the name of Ahmad Vahidi. He has the dubious distinction. He was the deputy and later the successor of Nadir of the Revolutionary Guard Lebanon contingent and was a key, played a key role in the bombing of the peacekeepers in 1983. He also is, has the dubious distinction of being on the Interpol's, uh, what we call red notice list, the most wanted list, because he is the one that led and organized the Beirut-style bombing in 1993 of the Israeli embassy in Buenos Aires, a Hezbollah attack that used the Beirut model. And later, two years later, the Israeli and uh, Argentine Mutual Association uh, 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 that killed 85 people in Buenos Aires. Vahidi's the one in South America and they still are operating down there in the drug and work themselves up through Latin America are now in Venezuela, weekly flights and so on, using that as a base, and are using the drug cartel routes to funnel it into the United States. Well, Tim, I have to tell you that your book is outstanding, and uh, and for those of you who haven't experienced the military, uh, Tim, you have to have experienced survivor guilt as I have, I got an early out to go to college, and my troops went to Vietnam, and oftentimes we got wiped out. And, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about that. But what a great book, and I'm so happy you've had a chance to uh, clear the record. And, uh, and if we can, let's talk for a few minutes about our veterans and what we're doing for them. Uh, Tim, Cheryl and I put together a program for our veterans, and we're going to be doing some free seminars for veterans over uh, – Veterans Day, and believe it or not, as everyone knows, I'm sure, the Marine Corps birthday is November 10th, the day before Veterans Day, and Tim, here in Houston, we're putting together uh, hopefully hundreds and even thousands of veterans, and we want to do a free seminar, and we'd love to have you come and attend if you could, but we only have a few minutes left. Let's just spend a few minutes on, once again, our veterans and how wonderful they are, and and what we're doing for them, the kinds of things we need to do for them. Uh, any of your thoughts in the last few minutes, please? Well, I, I call it God's work you're doing. Uh, is uh, The people that step forward and went in harm's way and returned to this country and uh, picking up uh, and going on to new careers, is that any way we can help them, and uh, this, this is how... how happening uh, throughout the country through through a lot of friends of mine I know are are doing the same kind of connection and I think any anything we can do to help uh, the transition into new careers and I think a lot of your, you probably find out as I do that a lot of the young Marines uh, and other servicemen coming uh, to and finding out exactly what's available and just sort of they learn quite well they handle some of the most sophisticated equipment in a, in life and death situations so they're they're quite adept at learning and quite enthusiastic and motivated and oftentimes Tim the, the difficulty is that the uh veterans or kids coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan don't necessarily understand the civilian culture civilian jobs and uh and companies on the other hand don't really oftentimes take the time to learn about the military and that's what we're doing is 
providing that transition, and that's what this one day is all about. We're talking about resumes and designing resumes based upon outstanding backgrounds and honor and integrity and so many things that uh, oftentimes kids don't know to put in there so that when they do present themselves to companies, and we're educating companies on military terms and how they are similar to what companies typically do, and, and that transition is so critical, and that's what our effort is all about. That's what Job Search Total System is about, and, and our whole approach is teaching these kids to learn to achieve better job, better pay, better life, and for many of them, they move on to double, triple, and quadruple or compensation package. Oftentimes, veterans are undercompensated because they truly don't understand their value in a corporate setting. Your thoughts? Well, you're, what you are doing in providing this transition is, is, is the critical link and an understanding uh, by the uh, participants is that uh, they have a lot more to offer than they than they think, and it's it's making that and the resume and what they can do and their adaptability uh, to uh, to learning new things and so on, which is clearly demonstrated by their performance in a lot tougher environment. It's that that's what makes that link that you provide just so critical. And what we say to um, our participants is. Um, as you know so well, uh, you know, these young men and women have huge amounts of responsibility with million-dollar uh, technologies, and and they really don't understand them any kind of how to put that in the resume, how to put it in accomplishments, and we talk about the sure. impact they have on companies' bottom line and how they can make and save money for a company. and. And when they are sitting with an interviewer, they literally are blowing them away with their talent, skills, and abilities, and it and it uh, diffuses a lot of these concerns that uh, civilian interviewers have about the military because of all these horror stories I hear, and it just makes that transition so successful. And it's just uh, a wonderful thing uh, that... Uh, so many of our people need to understand, and that's what it's all about. Cheryl, round it up for us. Well, uh, tell us where we can get your book, Tim. Um, well, uh, the uh, uh, Amazon.com, probably the easiest uh, way, too, is through the publisher. Uh, there's a number of routes, but I, what I would recommend is uh, Google my name and, and our uh, Peacekeepers at War, the title of my book, and then uh, it'll come up and uh, give you uh, a lot of detail and actually you can read the reviews and uh, different deals and all this and that to pick it up. Okay. Well, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today, Tim. Uh, we have another great show next week for us. Happy Fourth of July to everyone. God bless you, Tim. God bless America. Happy Fourth. Thank you very much. Thanks again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.